This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Junkyard Dogcast. I am Jordan Hill. With me is Kip Adams. And Kip, I, I don't know how the weather was down there in Atlanta this morning, but... I actually kind of had to put on some sweatpants. It's getting closer and closer to a little bit of fall weather. How is this Tuesday treat? Now, I love we start the show off with weather talk every week. Uh, I'm, I'm getting old here. The, the fact that I thought that was interesting. Uh, you know what? It, it feels like fall. And, you know, I'm kind of in the same line with my dogs. I, I can't really be out too long. I don't like being out too long when it's over 75 degrees, really. And yeah, it felt like uh, it was time for some porch time today. So I enjoy that breeze. I mean, that means, you know, this is it. We're in football season. And yeah, it, feel, it feels like we're in it now. This is, it's for real. And with the SEC schedule coming, you know, for Georgia this week, I mean, it's time to get serious. It's, let's, let's talk some SEC football. Absolutely. And let's jump into it. This is going to be a mailbag episode of the podcast for the people watching live on Facebook, for the people who are on our message board, for the people uh, tuning in on YouTube. If you guys have questions, be sure and uh, let us know in the comments. We pulled a bunch of questions from our message board as well. And Kip, we're going to start with a banger from the comments. Alex Joyce says, prize picks has Stetson's passing yards at 294.5. Should I take the over or under? I'm going to go under. And we'll talk about this more, I think, probably tomorrow. We're going to have uh, a get a chance to check in with uh, some of our friends from the South Carolina site and preview that game. I'm going to go under because I think Georgia's really going to try to exploit what I think is a weak South Carolina defensive line. I could see Stetson getting, you know, 260, 270 yards. I'm not quite so convinced. Again, he's coming off a game where I know he didn't play the whole game, but he had just at 300 yards against Sanford. I think I would hit the under. Kip, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's it's more of a, it, you know, it's not as bad as it seems. It's not as great as it seems. You know, if you would have been going into the Sanford game looking at, you know, the Oregon's numbers, you would have said the opposite. And it's kind of like, it's kind of where I am right now. You know, a lot of people looking at this, this Sanford game and wondering what happened with the offense. Uh, I just think it's one of those letdown games, especially the second half. I'm looking at South Carolina, obviously. I mean, they're ranked 129 out of 131 teams in rush defense. And they're allowing like 250 yards a game on the ground. And they're going to be without two starters. Uh, you know, with, with a couple of their players, I think one of their linebackers or two of their linebackers having ACL injuries. So, yeah, I mean, you're 
your stance on this could be very well be accurate. My opinion is, is that this offense, Kirby Smart always says he, he builds it around what he has, who he has in personnel. And I think right now, what the identity of this offense is, is that they trust Stetson Bennett and they're putting this offense in Stetson Bennett's hands. And they think that's their strength. Now, playing uh, to an opponent's you know, weaknesses, I just don't think that's Georgia's identity. I mean, they're going to take advantage of mismatches, but I don't think they're going to change their offensive game plan based on the opponent because that's just not Georgia football. Georgia football is to do what we know is, is we do best, and, and the opponent, we're going to let them react and them make mistakes. I still think Bennett comes out and, and throws the ball, you know, just as much as he has before. I think that's just where this team is right now. And I, I, if you're looking uh, for leadership and experience, you're not going to get, you know, anyone with more than Stetson Bennett right now. I just think the they trust him completely to make the right decisions. And I think that could be another game where he throws the ball 30 or more times. So what are you taking, Kip? I'm going with the over. I think Stetson Bennett comes out there and has 325 yards passing, throws the ball 30, 31 times, has a couple touchdown passes, and has a touchdown run. Another question from the comments, Damian Cox, is Roderick Robinson a flip? His grandfather works for me, and he is works with me, and he is a UGA fan. A little intel. On yeah, you, you're the insider on this recruitment, Damian. I mean, this is we should be asking you that question. Those Georgia ties are in there, I guess. Well, Georgia's definitely recruiting Roderick. I mean, that much I could say. They've been on him from the beginning. Uh, it's not someone who's just coming up now. He, he has been someone that Del McGee is – is had you know his sights on from the beginning and i think that you look at his start to his senior season he's putting up video game numbers and i think that you know he's a guy that that georgia likes a lot i think they'll get him on campus and they, they will uh try to to pull that flip i think if he comes in for that auburn game that'll be a game that we're watching to see if he's there if he takes his official visit that weekend uh you know all bets are off once you get him on campus anything is possible and he is definitely a guy that you could see, you know, being very productive in Georgia's offense. And when you have a guy that, you know, as big as, you know, Kendall Milton is, when you have a guy that's six foot one and, and over 230 pounds, uh, that is a tough guy to bring down. And I think those California defenders are finding that out right now this senior season because it doesn't look like too many guys are tackling them out there. So, if it, you know, if Georgia's able to flip them from UCLA, there you go. You got one of your running backs you need for this class, and I think they head to the portal for a second a second running back. He's definitely the, the one running back this cycle that we're keeping an eye on right now. Yeah, Kip, uh, I do that uh, future dog watch each week, just looking at some of the stats I can find on these recruits. And that first week, I, I went to like three or four different places. I was like, is this right? Like, this has to be a typo. I mean, he ran all over who they played in that first week. And I think he's really – a really talented running back, and I think uh, he'll be somebody to watch, see if Georgia is able to flip him. Uh, let's go uh, to some of the questions from the message board. We're going to start with P. Rich 08, who says, Dylan Bell, what do you guys think about him getting more time on the field with Ladd, Bowers, and Washington? Uh, I think he's got an opportunity, and I actually talked about this earlier today on a radio hit, talking about he could be somebody, obviously you want A.D. Mitchell out there, but it's very questionable at this point if he's going to be able to play against South Carolina. To me, Dylan Bell, along with Jackson Meeks, are probably the two guys that would benefit the most as far as additional playing time if AD can't go. 
Um, liked what I saw from Dylan Bell. There's a few plays that I think he could have made against Sanford. Uh, there was one play in the end zone. Credit to the Sanford defender. He did a great job breaking that play up. Uh, later on, uh, Dylan had a drop uh, on the pass from Brock Vandergriff that I thought he should have made. But I like what I've seen so far from Dylan. And again, if he is given the opportunity, I mean, I think that's going to do wonders for him because, you know, something that Kirby Smart has stressed throughout going even back before the season is they've got talented guys across the board, but they're so inexperienced. And if you can get a guy like Dylan Bell out there with those other receivers, I think it's going to do him a world of good as far as the long term in him developing and him understanding what's expected of him. Definitely. I think there's that's where you find the value in this this last week's game against Sanford. You know, you, you rotate these guys in. Kirby Smart's trying to find guys he can trust. Like I just said with Stetson Bennett, they know they can trust him at quarterback. Who can they trust at wide receiver? You kind of know what you got it tied in a little bit there. Uh, who are the which pass catcher catchers can they rely on whenever they're playing better defenses than what they've played in week one and week two? You got to really narrow it down to who you you want to get the ball in key situations. Now, is Dylan Bell that guy right now? I'm not sure. You know, they might go with some more experienced guys uh, against South Carolina and try to rotate Dylan Bell in later in the game. You know, maybe Kiaris Jackson. You know, Lab McConkey's a guy you can trust. And then, you know, also Marcus Rosemary Jackson. I mean, these are guys that, that have played a lot of football for Georgia already. I, I think, you, you know, you have those guys in there. You rotate guys like Jackson, Meeks, and Bell in there when you can. But for right now, I, I think when you're going on the road for the first time, you got to have guys in there that, you know, you know are, are going to step up and, and play solid football for you early in the game. So I, I think Dylan's maybe a guy that rotates in there. But uh, on those key plays, I, I think Stets Bennett's going to go with who he trusts now. And maybe Dylan's a guy that can earn that trust in the next couple of games. One of the big benefits from what was talked about during the preseason, I think it might have been Arian Smith talking about this. They expect those receivers to know those three different receiver positions. And it's beneficial when guys get hurt. They can have different guys step up and, and understand what's going to be asked of them no matter which role they are playing. So that's something to watch too. Uh, talking about Dylan Bell, I want to take this question from my guy, Jacob Hudson. I saw that we had a ton of true freshmen play Saturday. Who looked good to y'all? Uh, Dylan Bell looked good. Michael Williams had some good pressures. I really liked what I saw Bear Alexander. He didn't play a ton, but he did a very good job, I thought, of getting after it, uh, causing havoc. Uh, going back again to Michael Williams, I put this in one of my stories. That might have been yesterday. The play recognition he had at one point on a throw out to the flats, it was, again, that was his second career game. Very, very impressed. I, I think the sky is the limit for him. And, again, I, I can't help but really hit on the fact that so many of his teammates and Kirby Smart have said nothing but good things about him. And, we, you know, we've been around this program long enough. You know, Kirby is not going to give somebody praise that doesn't deserve it. It is not coach talk. If if Kirby is going to praise somebody, they've earned it. Uh, I think Mike Williams came out of that Sanford game looking really good. Uh, Kip, any of those freshmen or any other guys uh, from that young group that you thought stood out against Sanford? I mean, I got to continue to to kind of praise. I don't want to give him too much praise, but, I, you know, I feel fr fairly confident he's not listening to the pod right now, but. Malachi Starks, he just continues to impress. He earned that start, and, I mean, he has the look of he's one of those he is who he thought he was kind of guys. He he is looking like a potential all-conference safety, you know, maybe not right now, but he's definitely already showing that he belonged 
that that his ranking uh w- was legit and that he can be a guy that can make a lot of plays for Georgia over the next three years. And just again, two games in, I think uh, it's it's really impressive what he's already been able to do. You also get to see a little bit more Branson Robinson, you know, make, making a guy or two miss. You, you want to, you know, get him some snaps and get him comfortable because, I mean, they're going to need him uh, later this year. He's going to get, uh, you know, a lot more playing time uh, as they go through this conference schedule. And so you, you want to see him be able to, to continue to provide fresh legs. And obviously those legs are pretty stout legs, probably uh, – some of the most impressive quads we're going to see outside of Spencer Strider for the Braves. I, I think he's a guy that, again, a lot of people are wondering when is Branson Robinson going to be the guy? You know, when is he going to get more car- uh, carries? I got some pretty good running backs ahead of him right now. And, and so, you know, just seeing flashes of him was good. I, I think you just want to get him, you know, confident in him knowing that, you know, he can play FBS football and, and you know, he could play at this level. Because you just you got to have him prepared, especially if he's coming in on a third down play. If he's got to pick up a blitz, that's going to be a pretty important part of playing in this offense. So I, I think just seeing him get more confident out there should be great for his future as well. As Jordan Harris mentioned in the comments, he came really close to getting that second career interception. Malachi was all over the place and, and being able uh, to cause havoc. And again, you know, for them to trust him. Put him in a situation, obviously, he's lived up to it. He's done a very, very good job so far this year. Uh, Had a few questions in the comments about Eric Gilbert, so let's talk a little bit about him before we wind up taking a break. You know, Eric has been a guy that a lot of people have had questions about. You know, everyone uh, thought uh, that he was due for a very big year after the spring, uh, and his role hasn't been exactly what people anticipated. I mean, my read on it, and Kip, you can jump in after that, uh, you know, it's a situation where he really took advantage in the spring, the fact that Darnell Washington was not available. Um, and, you know, for all intents and purposes and from everything we saw, Eric really took advantage of it and obviously had a big spring game. But then you come into the summer and the fall, Darnell Washington comes back. Before Darnell got hurt, Kirby Smart was talking about he was in the best shape that he had been in since he had been at Georgia. And so Darnell worked his way back to that shape. I think he surpassed Eric when it went to fall camp and and having the chance to play out there. And I wrote about this last week. You know, we heard Kirby harping on Eric in practice and, you know, several times. And I always try to take that with a grain of salt when it comes to we're watching probably 10 minutes of practice. You know, this is going to be crazy stuff, Kip, but sometimes coaches ride players and we, you know, it's, it's not the end of the world. But then you get into the situation and you see how little he's played and, I mean, how he's played kind of a minimal role at tight end. And, and you can kind of put the pieces together based on the context and what we've seen um, to see why the role he's played is what it is. Um, now, the thing is, it's a long season. You know, we're only two games in. All it takes is for uh, Eric to get an opportunity and for him to make the most of it that the whole narrative could change. And, you know, I don't think – Two games in, you should totally ride off while he's not going to do anything notable or or noteworthy to contribute. Um, I think it's early in the season, and I think it's important to remember that this is really his first full season back uh, and obviously first one with Georgia. Um, So it's a long season, and I would just say that uh, it's too early to ride off anything when it comes to him. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of factors that play here. One, you got to earn it every day in practice. And I'm not here to say that, that Gilbert is not practicing well, but 
he's not all he also isn't competing against himself there are other really talented tight ends in this group and i mean when you look at brock bowers and darnell washington those are guys that have been in the system for a lot longer than gilbert has you gotta remember he lost a, a you know there was a whole season of him not being with the program where brock bowers and darnell washington were with the program they know the system they know the offense and so for for eric gilbert his involvement in the offense is going to be a work in progress now when you see a guy a true freshman in oscar delp you know getting snaps and getting on the field before him i mean that's that's not a knock on gilbert that that's a that's just praise for oscar delp and we said coming in this last recruiting class that I mean, this this guy, he he is one of those guys. And just like with Brock Bowers before, we said it's tough when you watch a freshman like Brock Bowers have the impact he is and then try to compare Oscar Delp to him. All we could say is he's got that same mentality and he's a 6'5", 225-pound pass catcher who is an outstanding athlete and has a similar work ethic. And so when you, when you come in and, and he has, you know, he's able to get on the field ahead of Gilbert, uh, that's praise for Oscar Delp. It doesn't need to be a red flag for Gilbert out there. And the fact that Georgia is, everyone thought Georgia was going to run three and found a way to have four tight ends on the field at the same time. One, they haven't needed to, to do anything like that, uh, you know. And so they've had two tight ends on the field for a while. But, you know, the personnel that they choose to have, might not be one where you get three tight ends or you have, you know, as many two tight end sets as people thought. So maybe the snaps aren't there yet. But at the same time, again, he's getting playing time. He's getting acclimated into this offense and he's continuing to push himself to get better. That's what Kirby Smart wanted to see from him. And I think that is what he's seeing from him. To play to Georgia's standard, you have to put forth a certain amount of effort all the time. And I think that's where Gilbert is still, you know, acclimating himself to. And that's what you want if you're a Georgia fan. You want every player, regardless of what you knew about him before, to play to Georgia's standard. And the fact that he's here and he's playing again, very positive. And he's contributing to a team coming off a national championship. Uh, I think that he's got brighter days ahead of him. And I think he will be more and more involved in his offense as long as he continues to push and, and to go out there and compete on a daily basis. But if he doesn't get more playing time, it might not be him. He's playing with three other elite tight ends in that room. If you're not sure about Oscar Delp, uh, just ask some of these South Carolina fans, Georgia fans, if you guys come across him this weekend, they wanted Oscar Delp very, very badly. And uh, obviously we're pushing to try to get him and Georgia was able to land him. So we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we've got more questions. If you got more questions, jump in the comments and let us know, but uh, we'll take a quick break and then come back and answer some more questions. eBay motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive. That's all your own. Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time 
every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back, everybody. Well, we're going to take another question from our message board, and this was ijohns70, who said, should we be concerned with the number of sacks so far as far as the defense, and could that be something to watch going forward? This has been something that we've talked about a good bit so far through two games, and I think it's really just a product of the teams Georgia has played. Both of these offenses in Sanford and Oregon have really worked on quick passes, and, you know, I was really struck you know, if, if you had any question, if Kirby Smart knew what to expect with Chris Hatcher coming into town uh, that Monday last week uh, that they were going through practice that we got to watch, a lot of chasing down screens, a lot of getting those defensive linemen out to the perimeter trying to track down the ball. And we saw that, I, you know, I was struck re-watching the game that very first drive. I was like, man, I feel like I'm out there at the practice field watching them, you know, do that exact thing. Um, I think that's really what it comes down to with that, the lack of sacks. Uh, obviously, Michael Williams has, I believe, the only sack so far this year, and he got it against Sanford. Uh, but, Kip, what's your thought as far as uh, the pressure or, or the lack of sacks that Georgia has so far? If teams want to come out and continue to do a quick strike to try to protect their quarterbacks, Georgia's going to be fine with that. It allows their secondary to, to keep the ball in front of them. And also, I mean, it ends, ultimately gets the offense off the field quicker. And if you look at time of possession, you know, the, that kind of matches up with it. Georgia is number one in the SEC. They're in the top 10 in the country in, in time of possession. It's because teams are just throwing themselves right off the field. You, you can t- continue to do that, these short, quick plays. And again, you're not going to break large gains against this defense. And you're also going to not have a chance to convert a lot of third downs in that situation. So I just think it plays right into what Georgia wants. And I think Georgia is pretty fine with with offenses continuing to try to do that. Do they want to be in the backfield more? Sure. Uh, I think even regardless of what the opponent's doing, Georgia wants to be able to have havoc plays. And so if you're looking at it from that aspect, sure. Uh, you, you can say this is an area where Georgia could improve in. And I think Kirby Smart's probably telling them that as well. But right now, you know, just given where where Georgia is through two games and and being the only team in the country that has yet to allow a touchdown, uh, I think you have to be pretty happy with that. And so, again, there's still things to work on, but I don't think, you know, just like the offense, I don't think you could take too much uh, from the first two games as far as what the identity is of the team overall. Uh, they haven't been tested yet. 
And I just think that you're going to be playing different football. If you're playing close games when it's, you know, a two touchdown, uh, 10 points in the third quarter, uh, I think you're going to see different play calls from both sides, opponents and, and Georgia's defense as well. And it's going to present more opportunities for Georgia to have havoc plays, to force turnovers, and, and to sack the quarterback. So uh, right now, I would not take too much from it. I just think it's just a product of the opponent's game plan so far. Talking about the defense, one of the questions in the comments for you, Kip, was from Brian Bivens, who said, Kip, can you talk about what you want to see out of the linebackers and the defensive line? Just generally things you want to see going forward. Yeah, I think right now it's really about the read and react. Can these linebackers find the ball and break down the play quick enough and take the right angles? You've seen that from these linebackers, you have some really fast players out there. Uh, you know, are, are are these guys Roquan Smith out there yet? No, but you know, it took Roquan three years to really get the you know the to be the player that Buckus Award winner is. It, once the game slowed down for him, he was actually able to play at his you know potential speed. So I, I just think for for some of these guys, Small Munden, you know, Xavier Sorry, these are guys that again can really get after it, and, and Tresman Marshall as well. They just need more snaps to be able to get more comfortable out there and reading and and reacting and and diagnosing the play. It is really is about taking the right angles. If if you have a, if you get into a run fit and you're you know you're not in the right lane, it, you end up in the traffic, and it's not at all what this defense is designed to do. And then from the outside linebackers, I think Nolan Smith has done a pretty good job setting the edge so far. Uh, I think what he's been asked to do, he's done a solid job so far. Like what you've seen out of Robert Bill as well, I think as far as uh, his ability to you know use power to get into the backfield, you haven't really seen that as much yet. Again, that's the design from the, the these quick strikes the opponents are doing so far. I think on the you know the longer developing plays, I think a guy like Robert Bill will really be able to uh, to wreak some havoc, and I think that's something you're going to see against Spencer Rattler this weekend. As far as the defensive linemen, uh, you know, so far so good from those guys. I think Zion Logue has, has shown that, you know, when he's on the field, he can do a pretty solid job taking on blockers. Really like what I've seen from Nazir Stackhouse so far. He's a guy that, you know, brings a little bit more explosiveness. Uh, he, he brings uh, the ability to kind of disrupt a little bit more. And I think that's going to earn him a lot more playing time as, as the year goes on. And I mean, Jalen Carter's just doing Jalen Carter things, and that's just throwing linemen around and, and being a freak out there. And, and so I like the group so far. I think there's a good mix of, of uh, you know, physical talent, uh, you know, a lot of youth. And I think toward the end of the year, this group, like you said, a guy like Michael Williams, uh, Bear Alexander, I, I think once these guys get acclimated, the sky's the limit for that defensive line. Yeah, you mentioned Jalen Carter. I tweeted this gif last night of they had him stand up and rush, and it was just about the meanest thing I've ever seen somebody do to Samford. I mean, if I was Chris Hatcher, I would have I would have given Kirby a little bit of grief over that because it's just not fair. I mean, he plays like that. You can understand why uh, he's looked at as potentially the top pick when we get to 2023. Uh, we'll do a couple overarching questions, kind of looking bigger picture that we've gotten. And uh, – uh, the thing that uh, immediately strikes me would be um, what, let's see, uh, from Munson's Broken Chair, players that we aren't talking about right now that we will be after the bye week, i.e. Jordan Davis. I'll give you a quick one, Kip, uh, and then I'll let you take it. Mine would probably be at Nazir Stackhouse. 
I think he's got a chance to have a really good season. I think the fact that he's been count he's been called on uh, is huge, and I think that uh, he's going to have a chance to really make plays. Oh, that's a, that's a really good pick right there. I, I definitely would have picked it if I had the chance to go first. I think he's uh, going to be playing some great football toward the end of the year. Well, for me, I, I guess I'll go with the Nylon Morissette. I think he's got a little, you know, uh, brings a little bit of everything to the table. They're rotating guys in right now. And I, I think as far as, you know, guys that can maybe uh, stretch the defense a little bit more and, and, and kind of extend plays, you know, explosive passing plays. I think he kind of brings that to the table. That's kind of an a- aspect of Georgia's offense right now that, you know, they're they're kind of pushing the intermediate passing game. Is that, you know, by by design, you know, we know Stetson Bennett uh, can, can throw the deep ball. Uh, you know, they haven't really attempted to do that too many times. It's not usually a high percentage play, but I think, you know, a guy like Denial Morissette, once he gets more comfortable out there, I think he can definitely be a guy that can have some big explosive downfield plays and, and, put up some, uh, you know, some points for Georgia toward the end of the year. For sure, for sure. And the last question before we get out of here, over the next five years, this is Alex Joyce, would we be more surprised that Georgia won two national championships or zero? Uh, I'm going to say I'd be more surprised if it was zero just because I think this team is talented enough to be a factor, and I think they have a chance to uh, – to, to continue to be a playoff contender. And I think that they have a chance to add to what's been a really impressive, obviously 2021 uh, Kip, which way are you leaning with this one? Yeah, I would definitely be more surprised if Georgia won zero. They have everything that they need right now from a roster standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, from a support standpoint, uh, they're, you know, they're, they are competing for the national championship every year. They've, I mean, they played for it twice in the last five years. So, you know, I would expect nothing less than them to play for it two more times over the next five years. So zero national championships. I mean, if that means that they, you know, I'd be more surprised if, if they don't even get to one, uh, if they lose two national championships, I mean, you get there, uh, you know, obviously some things to fix, but you're in the right place. They don't get the one in the next five years you know they probably have to do some self-scouting and, and figure out you know what what's exactly going on uh how is the landscape of college football change what did we miss and i just don't see kirby smart being that kind of head coach he's always looking for every single advantage he can get usually that in- involves the you know roster and talent acquisition and there's not a better head coach in college football as far as maximizing that roster than kirby smart right now all right, everybody, we're going to wrap this up. I'm actually about to hop on a radio hit down in Macon. I was like, oh, man, my phone's blowing up. But uh, we're going to do that. Appreciate everybody watching. Appreciate everybody listening. Thanks, Kip, for hopping on. Appreciate the questions. Appreciate everything. And be on the lookout tomorrow. We will have an episode with the South Carolina crew looking for Saturday's game. So until then, everybody take care. Go Braves. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.